The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. Well, let's talk gospel as it intersects with politics, culture around the sheriff. We'll tackle some controversies today. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the line of fire, 866-34-TRUTH. I'm going to open up the phone lines for anything you want to talk to me about, anything you want to ask me about, anything you want to challenge me about. I'm going to do that today, but I'm going to cover some very specific ground, and we'll yeah, we'll, we'll mess with some sacred cows today, I think, but going to do our best, as always, to speak the truth in love. I never intentionally say something just to spark controversy. Ever. If I spark controversy, it's because a subject needs to be addressed that's controversial. But my goal is not to spark controversy, not to get calls or posts or likes or dislikes or whatever or get attention. My, my goal is to bring light and not just heat. My goal is to open up a, a controversy so that we can get some insight and that we can have constructive discussion about it. That's our goal. 866 866- 348-7884. From the January 6th hearings to some of the latest controversies about biological males competing against biological females to a few other things of interest that we will talk about. President Trump's relationship with Prime Minister Netanyahu. That's interesting. That's worth talking about, reflecting on. But we'll, we'll get to that as things unfold. I, I find something really interesting. When I say something on politics and culture that people agree with, they'll, they'll say, Dr. Brown, we're so glad that you address these things. We're so glad that you're, you're not only just reading scripture and telling us what the Bible says, but applying the Bible to real life issues. And we're so glad you're doing this. And then I'll say something that they don't like or differ with. And they'll say, you need to stay out of politics or just stay with the gospel. <laughs> so here's the deal. We're on the air where these things intersect. And no, we just get in the Word together. We just dig into the Scriptures together. Some days we, we just focus on Israel-Jewish issues. Some days we just focus on culture. But our goal is to help you, to equip you, to strengthen you. And, and as we hear back from so many of you, it, it's so heartwarming as we come to the end of the year. Yeah, we get the attack, the flack, the negative, of course. But we hear from so many of you that, that our message is making a difference in your life, that you're getting infused with faith and truth and courage as you listen, and, and that's why we are here. We want to see you healthy and thriving in every way. And we know as that happens, as God's people are healthy and thriving, then that will impact the world around us. The, the brighter and more clearly our light can shine, the more the darkness will be dispelled. Okay, so January 6th hearings going on. You may say, well, it's slanted in Congress and you've got almost all Democrats and, and so on. And it's not going. Three, four, truth, eight, six, six, three, four, eight, seven, eight, eight, four. What about you? If you could only have one book of the Bible to read for the rest of your life. 
couldn't read any other book of the Bible. You just had one, and that would be your book, your, your connection to the truth of God as revealed in Scripture. For the rest of your life, only one book of the Bible that you could read. Which book would it be and why? 866-348-7884. I decided to do a little poll the other day on Facebook and Twitter and, and Instagram asking this very question. I, I had an idea of where the answers might go. You could give an educated guess as well. And then I asked myself the same question and, and came up with like a top three that I would have to say if, if I could only have one book to read in the Bible for the rest of my life, which would it be? But what about you? Which book? You only get one, and that's the book for the rest of your life that you read from the Bible. Give me a call, 866-34-TRUTH. And of course, tell me why. In the New Testament, in the five books of Moses, the book that is quoted the most is Deuteronomy. In the, the prophetic writings, the book that's quoted the most is Isaiah. In what would be called the, the writings in the threefold division in the, the Hebrew scriptures, so that I would believe reflect he book like wanted Psalms, there to be a show, like but not the way it went down. My opinion. Number three, I do believe his reckless speech up until then, in the months before that, when you are the most powerful person on the planet with the biggest platform on the planet, and you were talking about how things were stolen and, and uh, it's wrong, etc., and and getting people to feel like our nation's being stolen from us. Because remember, we were never going to have another fair election af- after this. 2022 looked pretty fair as far as I can tell. Or the 2021 election we just had in November looked pretty fair as far as I can tell. But I believe Trump's reckless words in the, in the weeks leading up to that, even set up in the months before it, but in the weeks leading up to it, and then that day saying we're all going to walk the, and, and, and with everything that was happening, the tone of that rally up until then and others who had spoken before him and, and their provocatory words, that it was reckless of him as the president to say what he said. So, number one, I don't believe it's right to call it an insurrection. I refer to it as the storming of the Capitol. If I, if I say the insurrection, that's in quotes because that's what others are calling it. Two, I don't believe he wanted it to happen. I don't believe it was decided. He said, well, he should have acted more quickly that day. Could be, but I still don't believe he wanted it to happen. I don't believe that was his goal. And he has to know. He has to know that, that it leaves a, a, a terrible tarnishing of his records or accomplishments. And it, and it feeds the fuel of the fire of, of the worst critics. So that seems clear enough that he would understand that. But I do hold him responsible for his rhetoric as president. Too much is given, much is required. So that's been my perspective for months. Nothing that's come forward has changed my thinking on that. And you're free to agree or differ. Now, one more thing with President Trump is he's back in the news. Why are you talking about Trump? Because he's back in the news. So when Israeli journalist released a book, about Trump, the Abraham Accords, so amazing accomplishments, unprecedented accomplishments in the Middle East for any of our presidents since the modern state of, of, of Israel. President Trump did things that no one else had done. President Trump did things that everyone said could not be done. And I remain deeply appreciative of that to this day. But according to the book, 
the author had two interviews with Trump, one 90 minutes long. Former President Trump has not denied a word of this. He's not denied a word of it. I've not seen any public denial. If he's denied it, I've not seen it anywhere. That he said that when Prime Minister Netanyahu called President Biden to congratulate him on his victory and made the, the, the tape public that he did that, that Trump has not spoken to him since and used an expletive, expletive him. He's not spoken to him since then. And he felt stabbed in the back. Because again, in Trump's mind, he's sure the election was stolen. Now you're congratulating the next guy that comes in. You need to show loyalty. And again, that to me is the downside of Donald Trump. That to me is why with all the good that he did, you have to recognize the amount of collateral damage that he did. The fact that we had the horrific events of January 6th, that has so tarnished not just Trump, but, but Trump supporters as if we were all there, as if we all stormed the Capitol, as if we all wanted those horrific things to happen that day and, and potentially endanger the lives of our elected officials and even the vice president. And the, the terror that was inflicted it, it shook the nation in many ways. Yeah, I, I understand people didn't blow the building up. I understand that, that many were in there peacefully. I understand it. It's, it's, it's nonetheless miserably wrong, but that's the recklessness of what could happen. So it's, it's almost like, okay, thankfully we didn't have anything happen really, really badly until then, but then it, it tarnishes everything else. And, and then you don't know what else could happen and, and how Americans who are upset on this side or that side of how they can be provoked. Look, I, I believe the secular media, the left-wing media, is, is responsible in certain ways for the ugliness of what's happened with rioting and even some of the depth of division in America. I, I believe the secular media often feeds into that. And then with misreporting and stuff like that, it further provokes people. So there are a lot of people responsible for the inflammatory situation in which we find ourselves where things are just ready to, to ignite, explode. In a moment's time. But (laughs) I believe that once President Biden was recognized as president, that it was right for Prime Minister Netanyahu to congratulate. Remember, he does have Netanyahu has a history with Biden as well as he has a history with Trump. He probably has a longer history with Biden. And this is the new reality. This is who you're working with. So to say, well, I have to be more loyal to Trump. No, I, I don't, I don't say that. To tell the people of Israel, hey, we can't work with the new administration because we don't think it's valid, or because my good friend Donald Trump doesn't think it's valid. You, you can't do that. So this is just a, another thing. When I look at, it, it's like, okay, that those are problems. So I, I wrote an article, and on one conservative political website, it was not received favorably. When I last looked, uh, every the only ratings were, were the worst you could rate it, and it had well over 500 comments. And if I looked through them, I only glanced at it, but I imagined the vast majority would be negative. But I said, hey, Trump knocked the door down. Trump showed there's a different way of getting things done, and you don't have to play the old political games. And, and you just do what you believe is right and what the, the people elected you to do, and that's what you do. And, and you bypass the good old boy syndrome and get things done. He, he's, he's reminded us or shown us that you can do things differently than the standard political way. But now that he's knocked that door down, let another conservative with backbone run in 2024. That would be my preference. So let's get the good without the collateral damage. And if you say, no, 
only Donald Trump can save America. Then I say that's the very idolatry I've been warning against for years. So I say this as someone who voted for him in 2016 and 2020 with certain levels of misgivings and concerns, but feeling far and away he was the best man for the job once he was the candidate. So him versus Hillary, him versus Biden. And I I voted and I don't regret doing that. However, as things unfolded, as I saw the depth of damage that had been done and the degree of idolatry that was there in the church, okay, we have big lessons to learn. If we don't learn them moving forward, we'll repeat some of the same mistakes. Okay, I've gotten that out. We'll get to some calls. We've got a bunch of other things to talk about today. Let's have a conversation. 866-34-TRUTH. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the Line of Fire, 866-348-7884. Okay, I I, want to have a rational discussion about a very emotional subject. The whole issue of men who identify as women competing in sports with other women. I, I, I just want to talk to you about this. I, I want to ask some questions because as bizarre as it seems to me, as unfathomable as it seems to me, as unfair as it seems to me, I know there's some of you listening and you think, no, it's fine. It's good. There are all these standards. The, the Olympics set this up years ago. And that once these men undergo the, the right therapy, so after two years, with uh, they take blood, drugs to block testosterone, and they take estrogen pills and, and, and so on, so it balances things, things out. So here, I, I don't understand this. Maybe somebody can help me understand, but I, I don't understand this. I am... A little under six three, right? I'm I'm a male, right? I have certain bone structure, bone density, but but my height is what it is. My the size of my body is what it is. Muscles are what they are, right? Okay, so even if, or right, right, let's 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 let let's not use me as an example. Let's use something absolutely, indisputably, overwhelmingly clear. Okay. Let's say I'm Shaquille O'Neal. I'm what seven foot two, and what was what was Shaquille O'Neal's playing weight? Was it three hundred pounds? I don't know. If Shaquille O'Neal, to the core of his being, fifteen years ago, felt that he was actually a female, and went to play in the WNBA, even with doing going all through the therapy and two years of you know transitioning as a woman and. Of course, he's going to have a massive advantage over all the other players. I mean, how, how could it be any different? Why, why is this a mystery? So here, I've, I've, I've got a new article on this, and you can read it on the stream. It's exclusively on the stream, stream.org. Can we have a rational discussion about 
biological males competing against biological females. Okay? Uh, All right. We just found out, before I get into this article, just found something out. So I apologize to, to those who have called in about favorite book. My apologies. Our, our feed somehow dropped out. I was talking about something 100% different. You were listening to an old show and calling in and responses. So I'm not taking calls today about favorite books of the Bible. Okay. So if you're on hold for that, my apologies. I was not taking calls about that. So some of you who are listening on radio, you, you were listening to an old show because we lost our connection somehow. My apologies. So, uh, well, if you've been holding my apologies, I won't be getting to those calls. All right. That explains because I'm looking at my board. Why am I getting calls to a subject I wasn't talking about? So that explains it. All right. So I wrote this article. Can we have a rational discussion about biological males competing against biological females? And and I said, look, if, if you support biological males who identify as females, competing female sports, I just want to ask two simple questions. Two simple questions. First, why do you think some of these athletes are smashing women's records even after being on hormone treatments for two years or more? First question. Second, in your heart of hearts, are you sure that this is fair to the other women? So, Listen to a little snippet of this interview. This is Will, now known as Leah Thomas. He is swimming on the female team at the University of Pennsylvania. Previously, he had been on the men's team, on the second team on the men. Now, swimming with the women, he's not just doing well. He is demolishing records, demolishing records. And the women are in tears and disheartened. Listen to what he has to say. Remember, the world is referring to him as she, as Leah. Listen to what he had to say. So I started my transition period in May of 2019. Um, That's when I started hormone replacement therapy, which is the medical transition for trans people. For trans women, it's a combination of estrogen and um, testosterone blockers, um, which basically gives you uh, female puberty um, and you see fat redistribution, um, muscle loss, facial changes, all that. Um, Yeah, so here is, again, you, you hear the individual does not sound like, okay, they're women with deeper voices. Okay, understand that. But you're talking about someone who as a male, please hear this, as a male was on the second team, right? So not first string, not top line, second team, now as a female is winning so overwhelmingly that it's making a mockery of the competition. And some of the women, they've been told by the coaches, don't say anything, university administration, don't say anything. But they're speaking up. They're speaking up because of what's actually happening. So let me share a little bit from this article. And, um, oh, let me just 
uh, here, Daily Mail 2018 ran a headline, students and parents demand unfair rule change after two transgender teen sprinters come first and second in the girls' states championship months after one competed as a boy. Uh, and, 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 and look at this. I'm, I'm going to scroll down in my article here. And the, the, the University of Pennsylvania is excited about this. The women are in second place after day one of the Zippy Invitational. Leah Thomas set a pool and meet record in the 500 free. A meet record. This is Will Thomas, who was second string as a male, now setting a meet record as, as a female. And, and it goes on from there. So Barbara Kay wrote an op-ed for the Western Standard titled Trans Athletes Create a Competitive Imbalance in Sports. And, and Barbara Kay said this, the switch from male to female competition so significantly upgraded Thomas's athletic status and made the difference between anonymity, she never would have heard of him ever, and stardom. But most significantly... It meant a worthy female competitor was unfairly bumped downward in the standings so Thomas could feel included. As in other cases of trans women athletic performances celebrated by activists, natal male inclusion came at the expense of a female competitor's exclusion. And, and then look at this. This is so striking. Barbara Kay wrote this. One need only compare women's Olympic records to those set by boys still in high school to see the stark physical difference between male and female elite athletes or the humiliation of the Australian national women's soccer team by 15-year-old boys. In 1998, tennis legends Venus and Serena Williams, ranked number five and number 17 in the world respectively at the time, played against an aging male player named Karsten Brosh, ranked 203rd among men. Brosh beat Serena 6-1 and Venus 6-2. Cece Telfer ranked 390th among American male 400-meter hurdles in 2017 NCAA Division II athletics. Right, So as he, different name in Cece then, he ranked... 390th Division II athletes for the male 400-meter hurdles. After a year off for hormone therapy, Telfer won the women's NCAA championship. So from being the 390th male to the number one female. How'd that happen if he had no unfair advantage? And hilariously, Kay added, that Telfer claims to be at a disadvantage because at six foot two. She encounters greater wind resistance, oddly, that didn't hurt Usain Bolt. All right, I, I, could, go, I could go on further. I saw an interview where Serena Williams, arguably the greatest women's player of all time, so the GOAT, the, the greatest of all time, many, if not most, would put her there as the greatest female tennis player of all time. She said... If she could play against Andy Murray. Now, Andy's not, in terms of recent men, wouldn't even be in the top three. Might have been a four or five or something like that. She said, if if I played against him, I would lose six love, six love in five or six minutes. I mean, she was exaggerating five or six minutes, but she would be 
instantly crushed by him. And she said, look, women's tennis is women's tennis, men's tennis is men's tennis. So you're telling me that if one of these top male players identified as female, to the core of his being, believed he was female, and then transitioned, so gets on testosterone blockers, gets on estrogen treatments, that he still would not have an unfair advantage? She said, oh, yeah, it'll work out. Well, then explain to me how these men who were second-rate men, these men who were anything but champs, these men who were on second team, these men who were ranked 390th in their field, now are winning and even demolishing records among females. You tell me how that, please, someone enlighten me. I'm waiting for the enlightenment. I care about these people who are struggling with gender identity. I want to see them whole from the inside out. Don't tell me this is fair to women. So please, if you're an advocate for this, explain to me how these men who failed are now winning, winning big as females. I'm all ears. We'll be right back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the Line of Fire. 866-348-7884 is the number to call. You know, one reason we've talked about transgender issues is because of what's happening with kids. Do you many parents I've talked to, grandparents? individuals dealing with kids struggling with gender identity confusion and in many cases it's happened out of the blue in other words not a history since the child was little i i just read an article on the stream and it was talking about a parent and what happened with this parent's daughter and what she went through and how suddenly at a certain age she began to identify this and then role played in this and watched this and did this and i, I sent it over to another mother who is dealing with struggles with her teenage daughter. And she wrote back absolutely devastated, said this is line for line, step for step, exactly what happened with my daughter. There are social forces. There are things kids are being exposed to. There are some quite nefarious and intentional. There are others that are less intentional, but they are having this destructive effect on kids. And now there is a growing number of young people who are trying to detransition. Well, if you're a 20-year-old female and you've already had a full vat mastectomy and, and you have already castrated yourself chemically so that you cannot conceive a child, right? And, and, and you made these decisions to move in this direction when you were 11 or 12 with the encouragement of medical uh, doctors and therapists and others. Uh, hang on, how, how, do you, how do you fix that? How, how do you detransition? So you go back to your real identity as a female, but you are marred for life. It is a growing epidemic. It, it cannot be downplayed. If it happened to one kid, it's too many. But, but you are talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of young people wrongly influenced. When you have someone like Jazz Jennings who needs our prayer for wholeness from the inside out, he does from the inside out. When you have someone like that as perhaps the most influential teen in American reality TV star. So millions are being affected and countless thousands going through regret and pain. Of course, we have to speak up. Of course, we do. 866-34-TRUTH. And, and as long as these things are happening in the schools, 
We'll talk about it. We warned, we warned this stuff was coming years ago. We warned it was coming. Here it is. What are we going to do about it? Uh, let's go over to Norwalk, Connecticut. Stephen, welcome to the line of fire. Uh, hello, Dr. Brennan. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I, I was wondering, sir, I, I'm not aware of anything like this, but are you aware of anyone, either at the professional or, or, or semi-pro level, any uh, 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 born female transitioning to male, participating in, in professional male sports? Because I've heard stories, of course, of the reverse, but I've never heard of a story of, of a biologically born woman transitioning to male to, partic- to, to partake in any of uh sports at that higher ability. Have you ever heard of such a thing? No, the, the closest thing is, is a, a, a girl in high school transitioning mm-hmm. to male as a wrestler. So on testosterone and now crushing all the female competition and saying, well, I would wrestle with the males. Of course, that, you know, the men don't want to wrestle with a woman, etc. cetera. It, it wouldn't be fair to her either. But that's that's as far as I've seen it go. So she has all the advantages of the testosterone treatments to to boost herself, and and she's crushed the other women's competition. But no, I mean, how how would it work, right? The the world's fastest right. woman can't come anywhere near the world's fastest man, or you know whatever the distances are. You know what's extraordinary? That that hmm. uh, Roger Bannister breaks the 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 four minute mile barrier. Right. What was that in the 50s? And it's, it's landmark uh-huh. and so on. And then it gets down to, I don't know, it's 342. I mean, it's it's extraordinary how, how far it went down and it stayed there for some years among the men. And every year there are many kids in high school now, boys who break a four minute uh-huh. mile commonly. The world record, uh-huh. the world record for the fastest female mile, I believe, is about four minutes, 12 seconds. So, mm-hmm. so you're, you've got a disparity, right? So if she's going to, if she, the world's fastest female or the world's best right. female basketball player, wh- whatever you want to put it, the, the female boxer of the year, whatever sport you want to take, right? Whatever uh-huh. it is, pole vaulting and anything, speed skating, you take the very best right. woman. If she then identifies uh-huh. as a man and even gets, gets all kinds of boosting testosterone, whatever, she's still going to be crushed. There's, there's no Which is why possible. I can't understand it. Yeah, exactly. I can, you know, I, 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 I can see it, in, and I don't know if this is a good analogy, but in, let's say, the, the previously male-only professions or, or some of the, the tougher ones, like firefighting or police or even the military, none of which I have any experience in, it would not bother me one bit if it was a man or woman rescuing me from a burning building or, or you know, coming to my aid or, or fighting and defending me. That, that, that could be done in whatever way those professions see fit because there's there's not a, a, a maybe there's not quite as much passion involved in it as a spectator, but it seems to me it's a little deceptive at best because the the few women that I know personally that participate recreationally in these sports, whether they're straight women, lesbian women, get whatever have you, they have no interest in disclosing or even talking about or, or giving up their their femaleness or femininity. They simply want to play with the better people they want, and yet I don't see that going on here. It seems to me that the people you you've prevented as example or they have another agenda here that seems to be well, almost I, victory at all costs if i can't win as a man i win as a woman and i wonder if i'm reading this correctly but i don't see this you know i don't see them going for the tougher ones i see this being made more of a, a, a victory seems to be the, the 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 goal here rather than a fair competition 
Right. It so let's let's either. yeah. So let's think of it like this. Number one, mm-hmm. let's give the benefit of the doubt and say that this person is struggling with gender identity and feels they're mismatched. They're in the wrong body. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. And they love running. Mm-hmm. They love swimming. They love whatever it is. So they want to keep competing. And they think, hey, I'm taking all these drugs to slow me down to make it harder. And I'm, I'm pushing hard. I'm athletic. I'm, I'm going to win. But ultimately, if you're an athlete, don't you want to win? Yes. So uh, according to some of these gals, and, and in fact, I, I need to read some of the quotes from the article. They are... They said, look, the coach wants to win. So now they're winning all these competitions, and they're, they're so upset. They said, you know, normally you, you, you practice hard, you give it your all, and you know you have a chance. But here, you, before you even start, you know you don't have any possible chance. And who wants to do their best and work for years to reach a certain level to know that you're going you're gonna to come in a distant second at best in a competition? So what are the motivations to win at any cost? Either way, it ends up terribly un- unfair, and there's there's just no reason for it. It's part. I draw attention to it because it's part of the larger cultural insanity. Hey, Stephen, thank you, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. And look, there are plenty of women in certain sports. You'll you'll participate with men or train with men on a certain level, but it's not going to be you know like mixed martial artists. You might train together and stuff, but you're not going to get in the ring. The, the world's best 150-pound or whatever male against the world's best 150-pound female. It would, it, everyone would say it's unfair, and there could be serious injury or death that resulted in it. So these, these are the issues. Fair, what about fairness to women? What about equality? And, and in the midst of all this now, I'm looking at this headline, Daily Wire, School District of Philadelphia allowing students to identify as non-binary without parental consent. This is madness, friends. And when I talk about transanity, I'm not talking about people who struggle. My heart goes out to people who struggle. And and it's going to take tremendous compassion and patience to, to really help them find wholeness from the inside out rather than mutilating the bodies that God gave them and, and being on hormone treatments for life. And then in the end, still not being fully what they want to be. Well, I've seen quotes, quote, trans women are women. Well, how do you define a woman? You don't have uterus. You can never possibly conceive, have a child. You don't go through a monthly cycle. You, you don't have life experience of women. On a, how, what is a woman then? Is this how you feel about yourself? Is, is that what defines sex now, gender? Just how you feel about yourself? But my big concern is the children, is the young people, is, is, is those that are now going through all kinds of confusion because of this and pain. And I'm talking to parents that said the schools are working against us. The schools are doing things without our knowledge. The schools are affirming things in our kids that we don't agree with. And we as parents are the ones that are responsible. And, and, and the schools, where's this agenda come from? What's, what's behind it? Why this all-out attack on male and female? He created them. And I'm just going to grab my article again and... and Read a, read a couple of quotes to you. Just got to find it once more. I've taken it off my screen here. Okay. What, what some of the, the gals that are competing against this biological male at the University of Pennsylvania, they've been told not to speak out, but they, they feel they, they have to. Once that pretty much everyone individually has spoken to our coaches about not liking this, but our coach just really likes winning. He's like most coaches. I think secretly everyone just knows it's the wrong thing to do. Second swimmer said this, 
they, the other ladies, they feel so discouraged because no matter how much work they put in it, they're going to lose. Usually they can get behind the blocks and know they outtrained all the competitors and they're going to win and give it all they've got. Now they're having to go behind the blocks knowing no matter what they do, they do not have the chance to win. She said, I think it's really getting to everyone and it's reduced them to tears. She said this, while the university leaders say they care about all of us, our interests are in direct conflict with the interest of Leah, that's this gentleman, in regards to fair competition and getting to compete. While we support Leah as a person to make decisions for her own life, you cannot make that decision and then come and impede on other people and their rights. And she said this, your right doesn't supersede everyone else's right. I know no matter what, biological women will never be on an equal playing field with transgender females. She said this, even without Leah, we had the chance to win the Ivy League this year, which is a huge deal for us. We train every single day and give up so much for the sport. And I love swimming. I do it because I love it. It's been a part of my life forever. And this is a slap in the face that the NCAA doesn't care about the integrity of women's sports. She said, this is such a cloud over everything. A cloud in the locker room, especially the last few days, because we all know of how things have changed in the last week. If you care about women, women's rights, fairness to women, you've got to stand up against this madness. And society has to. And if you care about kids and the well-being of kids and oppose their chemical castration, because that's what this comes down to, you've got to stand up and speak out. It, It must happen. It must be done. We'll be right back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. You know, we reported last week on what happened in Canada that the, the Canadian government passed a, a ban on so-called conversion therapy for people of all ages. What it boils down to is, if you have unwanted same-sex attraction, you're a woman, 30 years old, you're a man, 40 years old, you're married with kids, but you're struggling with unwanted same-sex attraction, and you want professional counseling to help you get to the root of your struggles, illegal, illegal. If you'd like to be affirmed in your same-sex attraction, perfectly fine. If your 15-year-old kid tormented by gender identity confusion and said, look, I'm in a female body. I want to be female. I'd I'd like to have children one day, but I feel like I'm a boy. I'm like tormented. I I, want to get counseling to get to the root of it. Illegal. Oh, but get on all kinds of hormone things. Let's say you're 12 years old. Get on puberty blockers and, and then have a full mastectomy at 18. That's legal. Madness. That's what I call transanity. That is cultural madness. And, of course, there will be legal pushback. And I've called on pastors throughout Canada, say no to this. Say we're going to counsel and we're going to help people that need help, period. Well, over in the U.K., as they were looking to push a similar ban, there's been a rising up of leaders in the U.K. They have graciously and lovingly expressed why they differ with this. 
those who struggled in these areas are coming forth with their own testimonies. And I'm looking at a website now where leaders have said that we will not comply with this law. In other words, we're going to minister to people that need ministry regardless. And right now I'm looking at uh, 2,273 pastors, leaders in England, Christian leaders, saying we will not comply with this. This is what has to happen. There has to be this healthy and holy pushback in love, with grace, saying we care about everyone and we're not forcing anyone to live their life in a way they don't want to. How they live their lives is between them and God. But when someone comes and says, I want help, I want help, we are going to provide that help, whether it's legal or not. God bless them for doing that. And may grace and truth prevail. And may there be a holy pushback in Canada. Uh, Let's go over to Skip in northern Utah. Welcome to the line of fire. Yes, hello, Dr. Brown. Thanks for taking my call. Um, Sure. uh, All of these issues uh, pretty much have the same thing to do with everything. It's getting people to live on their emotions rather than thinking logically. Black Lives Matter, um, the transgender issue, the gay rights, the abortion, it's all playing on young people's emotions, and it's coming down to parenting. We're losing parents, you know, they, they just can't keep up with everything that's going on, and it's affecting the church. I'll hang up and listen. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, thanks thanks for weighing in, Skip. Let, let me say a few things. So I recognize that there are kids as young as three and four that struggle with gender identity issues. And parents don't know where it came from. They say, we raised our kid the same as others. That's the, that's the story that, that, as far as they can tell. But 80% or more of those kids... If you just are loving with them, gracious towards them, but don't dress them in opposite sex clothes, don't call them by opposite sex names, just say, well, this is, you know, just work with them patiently. The vast, vast majority, 80% more than that, once they go through puberty, will no longer struggle with that. So that's the first thing. But when you get to a certain age, what's called rapid onset gender dysphoria, which is suddenly happening with girls 15, 16 years old, sometimes groups of them, uh, often those who suffer with, with autism on a certain level, you add that in for whatever reason, psychological reason, you are now seeing this epidemic of these kids out of the blue. It's not that they struggled all their life, out of the blue, identifying as these girls saying we're actually male and want to transition. And then a few years later, many of them are re- deeply regretting the decisions and what they did to their bodies and the fact that, that either parents went along with it or medical professionals say this is the right thing. It's, it's horrific. And on certain levels, someone say it's criminal to do this. It, 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 uh, according to Dr. Paul McHugh, long longtime head of the psychiatric department, Johns Hopkins, and, and a longtime opponent of sex change surgery, saying we're, we're, we're dealing with the wrong problem, we're fixing the wrong thing. He said that dealing with anything chemically where you're dealing with children – Right, so so a, a boy identifies as a girl, vice versa, and you're putting chemicals in their body, puberty blockers, different things. He said child abuse. It's child abuse. This is what he said. And I, I I had that quote before I went on Tyra Banks to discuss this years ago. It is. It is, and it is utterly irresponsible of so many medical professionals to go in this direction. And and there are there are legal cases being brought, for example, in UK, saying you you should have slowed us down. You should have stopped us along the way. I'm hoping to do an interview with someone who is as far away from me in terms of beliefs about the Bible, beliefs about God, beliefs about homosexuality, those kind of things, 
do an interview with this transgender identified individual and we are shouting at the top of our lungs together to, to help and save children from this. That, that's the diversity of people coming together, raising their voices. So, uh, sir, in response to your call, there, there is something that's being played on emotionally. And when, when, you, when you compare notes and see so many of these kids were exposed to this, 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 and at a vulnerable age, when kids are going through changes and questioning things, and now they're getting bombarded with all this nonsense and, and all the wrong examples, and now the transgender superheroes and on and on, it, it, and, and the fact that you have now a, a massive jump for the first time in poll history, a massive jump now in Gen Zers identifying as bisexual. Where did that come from? It was always latently. No, it wasn't always there. Where did that come from? So the challenge for parents is you don't know what's out there. You don't know what your kid's getting exposed to. Uh, look, there's a, a story, the, the very popular singer now, Billie Eilish, and, and she's talking about getting exposed to porn starting when she was 11. And then how far it went and just very descriptive of the horrific things that she would watch. And, and then when she started relationships, she thought, well, you're just supposed to do all this. You're not supposed to say no. She said it, it scarred her. Hopefully she'll get some real help. And she's been open about it. I'm sure people reaching out to try to help her from the, from the inside out. She said it messed with my brain. So kids are being exposed to a lot of stuff that as a parent, how do you keep up with all of it? And when you try to be super restrictive, you can't have this, 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 because I don't want to expose them. Many times it just pushes the kids to further rebellion or anger or hurt or pain or, or, or suicidal ideation. It's very challenging. Boy, we need the Lord, the Lord's grace in the, in the midst of our homes today and in parenting. But when you mentioned the pushing emotional buttons, so, of, of course, as Americans, if you love God, you love your neighbor. If you're any kind of a true Christian at all or any person of conscience, of course you say that every black life matters. Of course you say if there's unfair treatment of our black neighbors, we stand against it. Of course you say if if there's systemic injustice anywhere, we we want to confront it. If you're a person of conscience, conscience, if you're a true believer and love God, love your neighbor, of course. But the BLM movement with its Marxist roots – with its, with its queer ideology, with so many other things that, that are wrong and, and the hatred and the racism that it espouses. If you say something about BLM, oh, how could you say? So a, a lot of things are fueled emotionally. What we have to do is step back. Here, I, I, I tweeted something. Let's just put this tweet up again. And, and I had 2020. Of course, it's 2021. And I said, look, here's my take on what happened January 6, 2021. Number one, it cannot be called an insurrection, as heinous and inexcusable as it was. Two, Trump did not expect it to happen, nor was it his goal or intent. Three, yet his irresponsible rhetoric in previous days and on that day led directly to the storming of the Capitol. This is so much in the news, I wanted to weigh in with my perspective and cultivate discussion. Okay, we can take it down. So I, I noticed... I don't read all comments anywhere. I wish I had the time to. I wish I even better I could interact with everyone, but it's just not feasible. So I, I noticed, you know, a certain number of people responding to it on Twitter. Not a lot. But I, I did read a few of the comments, and they were bashing me either, how dare you speak a word against President Trump, or how dare you defend President, you know, whatever it was, right? Which I fully expected. 
something like that, I'm going to get hit from both sides. So I, I just tweeted one response and said, hey, I welcome the attack from both sides. I expect it. But it would be great if you interacted with each other. Oh, wouldn't that be great? You know, I've had people say, well, everyone knows the election was stolen and you know it was stolen. You just don't have the courage to speak out against it. If I knew it was stolen, I would speak out against it. But I don't know. And I know articulate, very sharp, very studied, very balanced people on both sides who say no proof it was stolen, absolute proof it was stolen. And God has not called me or burdened me directed me to spend the necessary hundreds of hours to unpack things and go through all the hearings and listen to all the testimony to come to a final conclusion. Plus, I believe that with so many millions of people praying that we got God's result, whether it was blessing or judgment, we got God's result. And I was trusting that our court system would work rather than the Supreme Court. So if there was corruption, it would come forward. Now, you can have a different opinion about that. That's fine. Just don't tell me I know. Just like I'm not going to say, everyone knows it wasn't stolen. Everyone knows it was stolen. But can we talk to each other about it? Instead of living in our own echo chambers, how about we have honest discussions that make us a little uncomfortable, but with the goal of learning from each other or sharpening each other's position or allowing challenge to come so you can see how solid your position is. Isn't that the right thing to do? If I'm wrong, show me. If you're wrong, I'll show you. If we just learn from each other, sharpen each other, or learn to love and appreciate one another in the midst of our differences, isn't that a victory? Back with you for Thoroughly Jewish Thursday tomorrow. Another program powered by The Truth Network.